And welcome to this episode of the Comedy Defect Podcast. This is episode 33. If you are a stickler for numbers, you will notice that this is the second episode of episode 33. Now, if you own a computer, which I'm sure you do, if you have a phone, this is technically a computer anyway, this is episode 33.1 because I am fixing the bug or fatal error which I made last week when I miscounted how many episodes I'd recorded. So this is episode 33.1. I'm glad you're over that now. Good. This is episode 33.1 with Steve McLean. Steve has got a fringe show which he's taking back up to the fringe 2017 called Are You Really Being Served? Go check it out. Very funny guy. Steve has some wise words for comedians. Talk about being responsible about your comedy. Punching up, not punching down. He's also in a sitcom with Sarah Mills, which was written by Miranda Kane. I did some gigs with Miranda Kane at the Edinburgh Fringe a couple of years ago. She's a lovely person as well. I wish her all the best when that is being released. And that is being released on Amazon, and it's called Slaving Away. I'm looking forward to seeing that. It's on Amazon. It's called Slaving Away. It's going to be released in the next couple of months. Go check that out. If you like this podcast, you want to follow us on Twitter, we're there, at The Comedy Defect. If you want to follow me, it's at Winter Phonander. And if you like this podcast and you want to donate, you know, you can find us on Patreon. Just go to Patreon, type in The Comedy Defect Podcast, and you can donate as much or as little as you want. But if you can't kick something back to us, just leave us a nice review on iTunes or Podbean, wherever you get your podcasts, because it really helps. It tells everyone where we are and what we're doing and what we're all about. Yeah, do that helps have a couple of nice comments or join the facebook group which is the comedy defect podcast go find that on facebook like the page i'm also doing the guinness encyclopedia jokes on twitter encyclopedic jokes at guinness jokes could be doing that soon what else is going on well i'm the only one that's well in my house at the moment everyone around me is ill and i feel it coming on now because i've jinxed it ah yes it's coming ah the tiredness uh the despair it might just not be a flu, it might be something else. But we'll think about that a bit deeper, and maybe form a problem around that. Uh, if you want to come see me live, I'm doing some Edinburgh previews for my upcoming show called It's Not Just for Christmas. That's a working title. The show is changing, it's forming into something else. There's some stuff in there that's really strong, and there's some stuff in there that really needs some work. But I need you guys there, so come see me live. The dates for that are on my website, which is winterphoneander.com. This is episode 33.1 with Steve McLean. Enjoy. Steve McLean, welcome to the Comedy Defect. How are you doing, mate? I'm not bad, thank you very much for having me in uh, in Optimus Prime's colon. You're welcome. (laughs) (laughs) I've never seen it that way before. (laughs) We're lucky guys. So what is that, uh, what is a side door then? Is that just like an access point? Yeah, I guess he's had an operation. Or maybe he just got (laughs) real kinky with it all, eh? (laughs) Probably say we're in a container. We're in a, we yeah, are in a container. Converted container. This is it. It's where I need to keep my comedy in a container. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so you can say I'm going to open a container of Whopper. I'll forget it. Yeah. It's not. I'm not going to. Not going to get it. Yeah. <laughs> Hi. Thanks for having me. No. Welcome. You're welcome, man. It's great to have you on. Yeah. It's great to be here. First time in Hemel Hempstead. It's, yeah. You, uh, you were excited. I felt you were. You saw one roundabout. Was like, wow. The, the Hemel Hempstead's got roundabouts. And was like, well, you're in for a treat. Yeah. Here. We're going to take you to the place where it's got more than one. We've got six. Linked okay. roundabouts. It's it's it was 
it's a marvel of engineering this hammer homestead and no one appreciates that i don't think yeah i reckon you take it for granted but us visitors we we go around that roundabout and go wow it's like londoners are complaining about the tube strike rather than actually appreciate the fact they've got a tube all the time yeah i just like yeah. you know go around it it's just so much fun <laughs> it really i'm spoiled really i really hammer homestead is it is spoiling it and it's just the ferrero rocher i mean well, that's it we just like we go around and we eat our ferrero rochers <laughs> On the roundabout. Listening to Radio 4. Yeah. Because that's the good life. Yeah, this is it. Although Ferrero Rocher is a bit tainted now that Nigel Farage is... Well, Donald Trump said he wanted him to be the ambassador to America. And Nigel Farage tweeted a picture saying, I'd always fancy myself as an ambassador with a Ferrero Rocher. And I'm thinking, Mm. I'm never eating Ferrero Rocher again. You've ruined Christmas. I don't want racist chocolates at Christmas. Well, what about Tilburon then? Where do they come from? Well, they're from Switzerland. Yeah. Well, they're neutral. They're not really, though, are they? <laughs> they're not really. All that Nazi they're chocolate they were hoarding during the war. It's not, is it? Come on. It's not neutral at all, is it? How do they fund well, that company? I mean, they're... they're triangular chocolate. The only yeah. reason why they're neutral, though, is because, you know, you've seen the Swiss Army weapons. They're not going to attack anyone, are they? You know, That not. was an old Billy Conley bit, I think. Billy Conley mm-hmm. did a bit about... He got, I'd love to see that. I can't do the voice. I'd love to see the Swiss Army... Uh, actually lining up for battle. All right, guys, we spy glasses. It and he kind of <laughs> and he did the whole motion of getting through. And he worked through all the tools. And it, was, it was one of those ways that it wasn't actually funny. It was delivery over content. You know what yeah. I mean? And the way he put the emphasis on all of the bits. It was just the master of what what Billy Connolly is. You yeah. know what I mean? I appreciate him being a stereotype here, being a Scottish comedian and and heralding Billy Connolly like he's a god. But no, you know, but, it's one of those kind of. Was he your first? Uh, love of comedy I think he might have been without actually realising it we loved Billy Conley growing up everybody did we were told we did and it turned out we did he's, he's like your your funniest uncle on his funniest funniest day all of the time whereas your funniest uncle will crack two or three jokes at the dinner table and everyone's like oh he's a riot mm-hmm. Billy Conley's two hours of cracking those jokes at the dinner table and telling those stories and the problem is now as well you get a lot of because I'm from just outside of Glasgow I'm from Dumbarton mm-hmm. you get a lot of Glaswegian men and there's a lot of pressure on them to be funny all the time mm-hmm. and they never are it's just vicious you know <laughs> so it's kind of but yeah I think he probably was massive clangers like just going oh yeah, yeah. that'd be funny. Like, emptying oh. the room, it's like no, no. Oh. Just go back to being violent. It's what yeah. you're best at, you yeah. know. <laughs> drinking, drinking the sorrow away. But you don't have much of an accent. I moved away. Well, I didn't move away. I was moved away by my parents yeah. at the age of eight. I moved to the Isle of Man. You ever heard of the Isle of Man? Yes, I have. Yeah. Yeah. And where are you from? I'm from Ireland, West Cork. Yeah. All right. So you'd have been the Isle of Man on a holiday. No. I you're probably been. the only person from Ireland who hasn't been to the no. Isle. Of Man. It used to. It was a mass uh, every summer. Everyone from the Isle of Man would go to go to Ireland and everyone from yeah. Ireland would come to the Isle of Man. Yeah, for, yeah there'd be a man. Oh, my first proper girlfriend, she was from somewhere in Ireland, you know, right. it's kind of, you know, it was that kind oh, of... fucking pen pal style, was it? Yeah, 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 yeah totally. No. She spent three weeks on the island and it's like writing for, uh, for, for the next year and it's like, okay, I don't think we're going out anymore. <laughs> this is it. This is not a relationship. Yeah. Oh. I'm 14. Uh, yeah. <laughs> we are allowed to swear, by the way, just know it's oh, just a... Absolutely. Oh, cunting, yes. Yeah, brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> Relatives still in Glasgow. Or, yes. Or Glasgow yeah. Uh, Dumbarton. Sorry, Dumbarton. Dumbarton. Um, Lot Area. Hmm. It's it's a weird little place. It's kind of it's the surrounding scenery is beautiful. It's yeah. absolutely gorgeous. And then in the middle of this concrete, kind of an oasis of misery. Well, <laughs> <I love that>. <laughs> it's <laughs> it's weird because it's like it's a it's a shame because it's an old whiskey town hmm. and obviously the industry's dried up. 
if because of mass production of whiskey and huge sellers, you know what I mean? Mm. And it's it's a real shame because it used to be a thriving young person's family town, a baby boomer town, they would have called it. And mm. now it's a, I'm afraid to say, a benefits town, you oh, know what right. I mean? Where people, they, 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 they work in the local area, they're working in shops. You know, the industry has gone, it's more of a commuter town to Glasgow now, but without... It's actively resisting gentrification, you know. Right. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of which, uh, which is a good thing, but it's also a shame that there isn't much employment in the in the local area. It's, it's crime. It's, it's, there's like there's groups of men beating the shit out of other other people, you know, like look, this isn't pod violence. I'm just actively yeah. preventing gentrification. <laughs> okay, <laughs> it's 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 such a shame because it it could be one of those. It just could be a little mm. if they if they got it. To Together, it could be its own identity, its own town again. I don't know yeah. how you'd do it, but it could be. You oh. can see it there. There's yeah. enough people there. The problem, I guess, is that there's nothing to go there for. Right. You know what I mean? The football teams, I love the football team from Barton, but they're mints. Yeah. You know what I mean? They're absolute mints. Yeah. Um, they've, got, they've got a one-stand stadium and the, the other two. I tell you, it's hard to, if you're an away team going there to play mm. because you're playing against... you used to playing in a four-stand stadium and noise, and all of a sudden you're getting st- noise from one side... And the other side is looking out over to the river, the Clyde. Yeah. And it must be freezing mm. any time of year to play yeah. in that stadium if you're a footballer. So, so yeah. you've, got a, you've, got a, the, you've got mono. Everyone else got surrounds yeah. you've got mono, <laughs> mono crowds. <laughs> Where's that coming from? All right. All right, okay. just there. <laughs> they do tend to play over the other side of the pitch. It's almost <laughs> as if they're trying to get away from it. <laughs> cut back to well, we can save money. We just, we'll cut this pitch in half. We'll put yeah. some flats here. Yeah. <laughs> Well, they keep threatening to move the ground out of Dumbarton because mm. because of where the ground is, it does look out onto the river. It could be a Canary Wharf type area, if, if you know what I mean. Obviously, I'm not saying the businesses are going to move in and yeah. boom, Dumbarton's going to be a... Although, you know, if they stay in the EU, they're going to need to put the business centre somewhere in Scotland. Mm. Why mm. not Dumbarton? There we go. <laughs> shout out to Dumbarton. There you go. Shout out, guys. <laughs> guys, I've got your backs. I've got the long-term economic plan here, guys. Come to me. Yeah, I'm, I'm actually pointing at the microphone as I'm saying that. At least someone can plan. see me. Yeah, yeah someone's got, got a plan. plan well, someone's got it. At least it's a, like an above-board plan. You know what the fuck's going on. Like your mum dad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Still like and uh, yeah. You, when you go home, do you you're actually slip into like a real class region accent? It, um, it depends. I mean, it comes out. It does come out. If I'm like say if I'm at the football, I'm shouting. If myself and my father are having one of our uh, loud discussions, yeah. uh, usually about politics, yeah. then it'll come out then, you know, or if I've had a few drinks, it'll yeah. come out then. But it tends to just bubble under and every now and then a word will come out and everyone will look at me yeah. as if to say, are you, are you taking the piss or was that real, mm. you know? And, and often I don't know myself, oh, you know? Cool. That's <laughs> <great>. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's, there's certain words, isn't there? The, 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 the roll of the R's or the A's, that's it. The double O, the oh, book, yeah. the oh, book. Yeah. I'll say a book. Mm. Luke, and you know it's kind of like, and everyone's like, just they they look at me funny. Yeah. So, it's, but you yourself, I mean, your your accent softened a bit, hasn't yeah, it? Has big this, time. This... I just slowed it down big time when I came over here. Yeah, and because no one could understand a word I said because uh, mm. I talked really quickly. Yeah, and then therefore, and with the 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 hint of an accent, I moved to Wolverhampton. Right, right, uh, which was a very thick accent, yeah. of course, as well. And they were like, I could see the 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 blank look on their face when mm. I speak, and I was like, like, okay, well, I need something to change here because otherwise, I'm never gonna. Yeah, you, you, I mean, you've got one of those accents that could be from now. It's got the Irish 
heritage, but there's a tinge of something else mm. there, and it could be from several different parts of the country. Yeah. You know, I mean, you, you you could even get away with being kind of Orkney Islands. You know oh, that. Yeah. You know that kind mm. of. Uh, <laughs> Generations of the same surname. <laughs> generations of look, you mean? You mean the look? Right? <laughs> not all. Are we trying to get at? No. You trying to say that I'm like I, I? Is it is it the way my eyes just meet in the middle? Is that it? But yeah. For those listening, he has a massive overbite yeah, and, and a third, hunch, third, third hand. It's just the web. What is it with my yeah. hands? Yeah, I like the thin. Yeah. The gills are just on one side. Though. Uh, it's so annoying. Mate, they're growing. You're growing yeah. out. You're getting. You're getting. You're getting out. Can't wait for one world. Come on, one world. Oh, uh, the the, uh, the the world has risen by about five degrees. In You're going to be all right. All right, good times. <laughs> yeah. What were we talking about? We're talking about Billy Connolly. There. Yeah. <laughs> we got to Gills. Yeah, I mean Connolly's probably my my first at least introduction to comedy. So it became a bit of a shock actually when when I mean because I, I think with the set, how old are you? Are Somewhere yeah, thirty six. Okay, I'm a good bit older than you. <laughs> and um, I just look the same age. Yeah, you should <laughs> wear it. Oh, oh, keep the compliments close. Well, let's say I look young. Let's say I look young and you don't look weathered. <laughs> oh, oh, well, that's a compliment. Yeah, you there will you live go. in a container. <laughs> How young you look, Steve, today. <laughs> Thanks, man. Thanks, man. But yeah, I was really shocked. The kind of television comedy in mm. the late 80s, which was. It was. It still had that seventies hangover. When people talk about the seventies, go oh punk rock. It's like no. Most of the seventies people love the Bay City Rollers. You never hear about that because it's never cool. And when people talk about eighties TV comedy, they always talk about not the nine o'clock news and and Blackadder and Ben Allen. It's like no, 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 no. You're forgetting mm. a whole side of the eighties there, which growing up as a child was the only thing I could watch. You know, and that was that dreadful my mother-in-law stuff. And so having had seen and heard Billy Connolly on tapes and, and, and seen him on the television, to, which he was always on growing up in Scotland, to then go on to something like Stan Boardman, who was still, and Cannon and Ball. You people forget Cannon and Ball and, and Russ Abbott. They were huge in the 80s. You never hear about them mm. because everyone's like, oh, yeah, it's really cool. It's Alexi Sale and, and the young ones. No, it wasn't. We had this crap forced on us, and to me it was a massive shock, and it kind of put me off comedy. Well, because it was crap. You know what I mean? It was... It was dad jokes before dad jokes were, we realised what dad jokes were. And, and there was no showmanship either. It was just a man standing behind the microphone and saying often nasty things. Mm. Whereas, I mean, I think Billy Connolly was one of the first comedians who genuinely punched up mm. rather than punching down. You know, Connolly, he would, he would have a go at the Catholic Church. And at the time, the Catholic Church were untouchable. You know, mm. Dave Allen was similar. You know, mm. I mean, it's kind of, he would have a, he'd, and he'd have a go at the government. And at the time, you wouldn't have a go at the government unless you were an alternative comedian. And that wouldn't get on the television. Mm. And he'd move around and he'd walk and he'd talk to the audience. Whereas you get Stan Mordman and all the others just, I mean, not to single out Stan Mordman, he's the only one coming to mind. And, mm. and obviously, you know, he's a working professional and well done. He's good at what he does. It, it, but you know in the same way I love music I'm not too keen on James Taylor I like comedy I'm not too you know what I mean and it's kind of yeah it, it just kind of put me off and I thought for years comedy was crap until you know the early 90s when it was Radio 1 of all things I mean I don't know if you listen to Radio 1 lately mm, no it's crap why would you <laughs> you know what I mean it's vacuous empty assholes talking mm. uh, saying and they, they'll play cover versions slow down and play on an acoustic guitar and go genius no irritating mm-hmm. you know and but Radio 1 back people forget this evening times Radio 1 so you get 
the evening session, which was an alternative music show, it was alternative at the time. And they play guitar bands and they play hip hop and they play, it was, it was great, you get sessions. And then between 8 and 10 p.m., you would get two hours of comedy on Radio One, mm-hmm. and that was amazing. You would so Mel and Sue, Collins and McConey, Lee and Herring, mm-hmm. Simon Munnery had his own show. All these guys, and this was like, wow, this is amazing, you know. And then you get Mark Radcliffe and, and Mark Riley on the, mm-hmm. on the graveyard shift, and again another two hours of, of music and comedy and film reviews. And Radio One used to be the internet before the internet, mm-hmm. but you know it was where you found out about. The director's cut of a certain film being released in a certain on mm. Mark Kermode slot on on Mark Radcliffe. Mm. I formed a lifelong love of John Hegley because of that show, and that's what eventually led me going into stand up, was because I went through performance poetry mm. and eventually into stand up. So I mean, I can't ever. I think Radio One, when it used to be good, I, it was amazing because they're saying that it doesn't atta- attract the youth now. It doesn't. They're trying so hard to attract the youth, and they're losing. But it's because they're not giving them anything to challenge them. Mm-hmm. You know, this was like, they, they went, switched from day, daytime Radio 1 and nighttime Radio 1 have very little differences mm-hmm. these days. But it actually switched 6pm to matey, mm-hmm. you know, smashy and nicey stuff to, all right, here's, um, here's Napalm Death covering mm-hmm. a Carter USM song. You know, it was, it was like that. Mm-hmm. It was that Complete kind contrast. of... contrast. Yeah, exactly. And it was offering something and it was offering excellent comedy. Yeah. And they'll never do that now. In the same kind of... If you're a festival promoter or you're a comedy promoter, you have a certain responsibility to give people something they don't think they want. I think the television broadcasting and the, the, the radio broadcasting companies in this country, commercial and national, have a responsibility to offer up something people don't want or don't know they want until they don't know they want to. And I think that it just makes good sense. It just makes for a further, bigger vision and expanding your audience. And if you are a commercial, expanding your audience means more money. It, mm. To me, it's, it's perfect sense. Uh, wow, that worked, that started off Billy Connolly and went into capitalism. That no, was, it's, uh... it's, it's true. That we, <laughs> every every uh, broadcasting and media company has a responsibility mm. and to, to, you know, to push new talent out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, yeah. and no, it totally relates to what you're talking about. Yeah. But you started in, this, in poetry. Yeah, performance poetry. It, it was it was a John Hegley thing, and mm. I heard him on the radio one, and I thought, wow, because I'd always liked poetry. It always appealed to me. There was um, there was a poet I'd heard about through again Billy Connolly called William McGonagall, poet and tragedian from the eighteen hundreds, and he was unknowingly funny. He was a terrible, terrible poet. He's often called the Britain's worst poet. He thought he was a genius, mm-hmm. and that's the humour behind him. And kind of, I think there was a touch of that with Hegley in that. Whilst he's whimsical and he knows he's funny, I don't think he realises quite how funny he is, mm. you know? So, yeah, so I started in performance poetry in, 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 uh, in the late 90s. Right. Uh, when I first, I first moved to London, I got to London in time for the Arsenda Britpop. Mm. And that was good, you know, because um, that was the last proper movement of teen movement before everything was bought up. And by that I mean... You do get, and, and the problem here is because I'm, I'm I'm 41, and because I'm 41, if you criticise anything young, they just say you're too old, Grandad, and that's the problem. Mm. And yes, to a degree, and that's sh- that's right. There should be that, but at the same time, there isn't a real alternative now because to anything, because the alternative is owned by the same people who own the mainstream. You know, um, you had you had, you had a couple of weeks ago on your podcast, Declan Kennedy. Right, and Declan and myself, we're both great fans of Blake Seven. And there's an episode of Blake Seven where they find out that the people that control the criminal organization organization are also the people that control 
the the administration mm-hmm. and it's it, to have total control you have to control totally mm-hmm. and that is what our entertainment industry now does they they present you the alternative to the mainstream they're already presenting you you mm-hmm. know all the so-called alternative guitar bands yeah. who are also good looking and pretty but their music has stagnated 15 years ago mm-hmm. you know uh, their music hasn't developed from the 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 brit pop chorus it's maybe slicker in production but it hasn't developed from that so i think i mean i think that's part of the problem with all industry is Mm. that it's there's no real alternative anymore Mm. and any real alternative if you look close enough actually isn't you know it's like when you see a facebook campaign and they've already this this is an organic campaign that's mm-hmm. like at the bottom, you know, sponsored by Lilt or I don't know if Lilt sponsor anything. <laughs> yeah. the, the most capitalist company. I'm out to get you, Lilt. I'm on to you. But they're trying to hook you both, both ways. Oh, Lilt, oh these guys are from the past. Yeah. I used to drink Lilt. That's my thing. That's my brand. How do they know me so well? Damn you, Facebook, you've got me again. Oh, oh. oh man, I think I think I think I had people there till I've mentioned Lilt. Sponsored by Rubik's Cube. That's how out of touch. <laughs> I am with the kids. Yeah, sponsored by Umbongo. But um, so my Guess Who. Yeah, oh, that's a, that's a great game. Love a game of Guess Who. Mm-hmm. Played it in Edinburgh a couple of times this year. It's it's one of those games that everyone can play, and you don't need to explain the rules. Mm. For a comedian who is you know having a small mental breakdown, you don't want to be thinking about your entertainment. You want to be switching off. Mm-hmm. So Guess Who, Guess Who, and Connect Four. Mm are two of my Edinburgh Fringe favourite games. Yeah. Every media company is monopolising the yeah. market now. And it's like, basically, like you're saying, with everything. And they can go, oh, look, like, even if someone's saying they're shit, yeah, you're right, they're shit, we own them, but look at these guys. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, like, yeah. oh, yeah. It's, it's pretty depressing, really. Yeah. They'll, they'll crush, everyone gets crushed, right? Yeah. We're going to crush you, but hey, we'll make sure everyone watches you, these guys get crushed. Yeah. Then we'll direct you from that media yeah. uh, sensation over to this thing over here that we've just... You know, resurrected or whatever yeah, it is. You yeah, know, constantly being uh, redirected, and it, you're no real control about it, do you? Really? Comedy's the same. I, I get frustrated with the industry. I don't like the industry part of the industry because it's everyone's screaming for uh, um, diversity in the industry, mm-hmm. and yes, they're right, but they're getting it wrong mm-hmm. as always. Because what they want is they want a diverse group of people from different backgrounds doing the, the same comedy. That's mm. what they're looking for. And that's not diverse. You know, mm. we, live, we live in an industry, or we, we operate in an industry, where female is considered to be a type. Do you know what I mean? It's kind of, you look at a poster and say, a female comedian, even, even on our so-called industry board, mm. Chortle gave Katie Pritchard a review. The, the opening line of Kate, the, the review was, Katie Pritchard is a girl. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's insane. They don't want diversity. They want the same, but from different people. Yeah. And that's, that's a real shame. If you go to comedy competitions, I do comedy. I don't do comedy competitions, but I do. But I do them to see how badly I'll do, you know? Right. Um, for the pain. Just, I quite enjoy it. I get off on it. I did really well in my heat. Um, of, a, of a competition this year mm. and I went off thinking that was really good we really, I really enjoy not going through this one because mm. it must be really hard for them to not put me through one of the people that didn't go through the, the three people went through I thought they're going through because they're doing very presentable ITV2, BBC3 style comedy there's one guy and I don't know his name and he was amazing in that he'd only been going under a year but he did this five minute set on cement mixer trucks, Jesus! If you can get people laughing at cement mixer trucks, you're a genius. 
He should have got a bye to the final, as mm. far as I'm concerned. Because that's a proper... I don't mm. like... They say you personalise everything in comedy. I go out of my way trying not to. Mm-hmm. Because I hate looking at fake stereotypes dressed up as personalisation. You know, I, ver- I rarely talk about my, my heritage. Mm-hmm. Because it's cheap. You know what I mean? So I grew up in a heroin town. You know, I did. It was miserable. It's not Mm. laughing. It's tragic, you know, Mm. and it's not nice tragic, you know. I try not to do that. But this guy, he did a proper set about something that meant a lot to him when he was five. Mm. And he got, it was a slow burner, but by the end, people were rolling in the aisles. And I just thought, you poor sod, you're not going to go anywhere near with this. This is genius stuff. And you, because you're not, doing stuff about mm. your yeah. accents or arguing with you, you're going nowhere. Mm. And it was heartbreaking for him. I mean, I, I resigned myself to not doing well. I have resigned myself. Mm. To, but this guy, you could see him and he, and he knew he came off stage. He knew he did well. Mm. And he had a lot of hope. And I'm thinking, no, mate, I'm really sorry. Mm. And I don't know who he is. And if I ever see him again, I'm going to give him a hug <laughs> and say, you're a genius. Don't let this industry ruin you. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I think it does. I think the industry forces a lot of people mm. to be round pegs in square holes mm. you know they fit in and they can do it you know Mon- Simon Munry would never come through today the only really far out acts I can think of that are doing not far out as in a far out man far out as in a not doing what I'd call attempting Apollo comedy mm. I think it's possibly Alistair Beckett King mm. You know, and even he kind of tips on it because he takes the piss out of being a vegan a bit. But I mean, some of his stuff's amazing. Very few names I can think of that are doing. There's a great, there's a great comedy poet called O. Stanfast. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I don't think he's. If he does, he should do well. He's amazing, but I don't know how how accessible he is mm-hmm. to the. Uh, he's. I mean, he's one of my favorite acts. I did an Edinburgh show with him two years ago. He's one of my favorite acts out there, but I don't know how accessible he would be you know what I mean I think uh, Alistair's probably the, the most way out it would get and mm. that to me is a little bit depressing really because mm. I mean if you think about all of the great acts the, your Simon Monterey's your Stuart Lee's yeah you, those guys you know what I mean you, Josie Long even Joe I mean Josie Long broke through four or five six years ago now you can't see that happening again you know mm. what I mean everyone's always saying that they'll never see you someone no one mm. ever break through again but it's just like, oh, fuck it. Just keep doing what you're doing, what yeah, you enjoy. You, yeah, know? I mean, yeah. you love it, Steve. Yeah, you you wouldn't do it for any other reason. Yeah, oh, I do but, it mainly for revenge. Yeah, <laughs> people feel like I can't do it. Oh, you know? That's great. I do, I do it out of spite. Yeah, but, <laughs> I think having seen me, we can both agree I can't really do it. That's an emotion quite close to my heart, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> and how many friends have you done this? this I'm on my... I'm on, well, I did... I went up the first year... Into, uh, my first year of comedy was 2013, where I didn't do any poetry at all. I just uh, switched that, um, why did you switch? I went there with John Hegley, and that was amazing. Mm. You know what I mean? I was kind of, well, I, I, I did a couple of gigs with Hegley. I realised it was cheap for what I was doing. Mm. What I was doing was really cheap, and I was doing it for the laughs. I wasn't doing it to make... Whereas John, John Hegley's poems are funny, but they make a very, very... They often make a good point, even if it's a whimsical one. Often about specs, dogs, or potatoes with John, John Hegley. But... I, and I wasn't doing it for the right reasons. I wasn't made. I was. I was. I was. I was actually writing jokes in rhyme, mm. you know. And that's that's. I mean, that's a nice little thing to drop into a set. But it's, you know, I, th- I kind of felt it was cheap and cheating because it's also really easy to get a laugh out of a poetry audience. Mm. 
because they're not expecting it, they laugh at swear words. You know what I mean? Because it's a poem, it's and you rhyme a swear word, and ah, mm. and th- I mean, you could argue that the the shit end of musical comedy does the same. Mm. You know, and having been at the shit end of musical comedy, I would say that's a, the case. Mm. You know what I mean? I used to have a song about anal sex, right. and it got a laugh, mm. not because it was funny, mm. because I had everyone singing anal sex. You know, that's not <laughs> funny. So when you're starting out, you take what you can get. Of course. <laughs> of course. So I, and I realised I was getting bigger laughs between. The poems as well. So, mm. so I went and I, I, I concentrated what I thought were the funny bits and wrote a five-minute set. And I went to my first gig was at Jester Jester's mm. in um, Farringdon yeah. venue. Do you remember that one? Yeah, downstairs. downstairs. And your, your breath, even in April, yep. you could see your breath and it was mm. so cold. But its bonus thing was it had a proper comedy wall. Mm. It had a proper Seinfeld wall, didn't yeah. it? And you felt, this is proper real. Break. You know, yeah, I mean, <laughs> the whole break. audience was other acts, but it had a proper wall. Totally. And, uh, it, it, you know, if you got your photograph taken there, it looked real. Mm. <laughs> True. So, I, yeah, I went there and I tanked. I tanked. I, did, I got one laugh out of the whole five minutes. And I put that laugh to the top of the show, rewrote the rest of the set, and I got two laughs, and I got my first five minutes by just throwing shit at the fan mm. on what people laughed at. I didn't have anything... I, di- I didn't have anything to say. I just tried to make them laugh. I always knew in my mind that the first thing first is getting something I can fall back on so I can try things. That was always... Mm. I think I'd read enough about comedy to know that to have certain amounts in the bank mm. so that I could spread my wings, as it were. Mm. So <laughs> that sounds really pretentious because... I, for about six months, I was just going around shouting, oh yeah, at the audience. So it's kind of... <laughs> really, I mean, for people who haven't seen me or listened to this, they're thinking, he sounds like a thinker. I'm not. I'm not one of the wordy guys. I, I, I buy, I'm looking at the thing and I, I buy my shopping and show it to you and say, isn't this ridiculous? That's what I do these days. So that's what made me kind of switch over. I was, I was starting to get paid stuff in poetry quite mm. regularly. And it was going well because if you've got a bit of stage presence in mm. that um, environment, you tend to do okay. Because there are a lot of people with good poems who don't know how to deliver them. You know, there's a lot of people with rubbish poems that can deliver them. So mm-hmm. I had rubbish poems and I could deliver them. I went to Jester Jester's on that same night with people I'm still friends with to this day. We didn't realise we were on the same night then. We didn't meet then, but we realised it's a kind of Gary Shaw mm-hmm. who isn't in comedy anymore. He's, oh. he's, he's an absolute... Well, he does the odd bit here and there, you mm. know. But he's one of those guys that... A lovely, lovely man mm. who, if I ever threw the towel in, I'd still stay friends with him, mm-hmm. you know. And also on the bill was Alex Martini, mm-hmm. who I gig with loads now because I do lots with um, his night. That we are, that, the We Are Funny Project are probably where I do most of my new material. You know, it's a really nice warm environment, so I, I go down there to try out new stuff. It's, it's important to have a place where you feel at home. Mm. You need a home venue when you're trying out new stuff. That's why you see lots of big pros going back to little nights that they've been to over at, before they made it because mm-hmm. they feel at home. And if it gets a laugh here, it could be worth developing. If it doesn't get a laugh here, here they're quite honest with me. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah. You trust, place you trust. Yeah, it's, but and I think I think if you want to just throw shit at the fan, as I do, because mm-hmm. I still don't know how to write jokes. I don't know any structure. I, I've not learned anything. Mm-hmm. I've just 
thrown shit at the fan and built up material that way. You know what I mean? There doesn't seem to be a rhyme or reason. No. I, I think everyone would seem would agree. I'm, I'm more character-based than I am humour-based. You know mm. what I mean? It's all about a big imposing guy on stage going, ah! <laughs> you know? It's, kind of, it's about six minutes in before you realise I haven't actually told a joke. You know what I mean? Great energy. Huge yeah. energy. Yeah. <laughs> I've, oh, had that. I've had that's that a, That's a good... That is one of those... Second hand, double backhanded compliments. Oh, yeah. Great energy, yeah, great good work, good work, great <laughs> energy. Oh, uh, uh, thank you. Uh, yeah. Going home, going, what's that? Yeah. Hang on a second. <laughs> Fuck them. <laughs> the other one I like, the other one I like, and you get it, and it's awful when you get it from, from a crowd member. You're very brave, Holy. You're very brave. Oh, that's just what you do. Kick in the teeth, isn't it? <laughs> that's it. Could be what you do, whatever it is you do up there. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. Oh, it's just, it was entertaining. Well, Tony Law does it best. I love Tony Law. Tony Law is probably my favourite act, mm. um, good or bad. I love it when he does well, and I love it when he does badly. Because when he does badly, people just look at him quizzical, and I'm wetting myself at the people. But he does it. He does it amazingly. He goes on stage, and he'll do. He will just bring energy, and you're not sure. And then halfway through, he'll reference himself and goes, "Well, what's going on? I don't know. I'm enjoying him. I think. You know what I mean? It's kind of that, and that's what I. That's what I'm kind of striving for. Mm. That kind of self awareness. Mm. But obviously not. I mean, don't copy Tony Law. You're on a fucking hiding to nothing. Mm. You know what I mean? Mm. For a start, his his mind works on a different level to the rest of humanity, let alone, you know. But uh, but that kind of energy and drive and stage presence is what I would like. Mm. If I look back and go, I got that. That's, mm. you know, I mean, you know, I'm penniless, I'm broke, I'm, I'm a heroin addict, but hey, man. Look at my stage band. I've, I've got all this. I've, I've got all this now. I live in a bin. Oscar the Grouch. I am now Oscar the Grouch. Miserable off stage, on stage, amazing. I'm just the happiest guy ever. You went to the Fringe this year. Uh, yeah. Oh, uh, that's how many like Fringe that, shows have I done? Yeah, how many Fringe shows have you um, done? Well, yeah, so 2013 I went up and did spots at various splits, and then 2014 I did a split show really good show that myself O Stanfast who I mentioned Faye Tracy and do you know a guy called Harry Scott Moncrief no he is beautiful mm. I mean you know he. I mean he's nuts and I realised early on in this show that I, this is actually where I cut my MC chops and I realised early on because I was just a guy going Aah! we need we were going to get a, a split and MC to MC is a different one every day and I, I thought no I'm on a bill here with three very unique acts and I'm just being a comedian if I am that. This, this bill is really strong and me being on it weakens it. Do you know what I mean? Because you had you had o Stanfast doing his crazy word charity stuff. Mm. You had Faye Tracy doing butternut squash musical comedy. That's amazing. Mm. You know what I mean? And then Harry Scott Moncrief, not to give Harry's game away, he hammers metal into his face. Right? Okay. I don't mean me now. Yeah, yeah. it's terrifying, yeah. but wonderful. And we were on at one o'clock in the afternoon, and it was great, because we advertised ourselves as family-friendly-ish, so that we'd attract that. And we had really good crowds. I think our lowest crowd was maybe 12, mm. uh, which is, for those that don't know, the average fringe crowd is, crowd is six. Mm. And we were getting... Right, doubled in the last few years. Uh, it used to be three. Yeah, four. well, you know, there's less, there's, there's, there's less venues now. Uh, <laughs> no, there's, there's more. But no, the fringe, has, the fringe has just exploded again, though, mm. hasn't it? And I realised there, I had to MC. I couldn't compete as an act. 
which was good. I mean, it's good to know if you're on a bill of wacky, far-out comedians. And I use that. I don't mean that in a hey man kind mm. of way, but that's the only way I can think of describing them. Because uh, I don't like saying something's alternative because mm. it, it, I've used that word, but it's like alternative to what? It's mm. a choice you make. You don't get, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I realized then not no. to compete with these guys. And, uh, but we got together a great bill. Next year we kind of did a similar bill, but we're a late night show and Faye couldn't join us because she had her own solo show. So we got revolving guests mm. But again, with the core of me, Harry, and and, and O Stanfast. And again, it really worked well as a late night show as well. You know, you just take out the swear words and, and, and don't offer out as many Kit Kats. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. <laughs> which was my bit. Same 2015 that year, I did a show called Steve McLean's Razzmatazz, which was an intentional, the intention to write a show in Edinburgh for Next Edinburgh. Mm-hmm. Which I, I don't understand these guys who go up there and they do one show... And then they spend the rest of the time drinking. You spend so much to go up there. Get as much stage time you can. Have two shows. Run a split show. Run a compilation show late at night. Do as much as you can. You'll burn yourself out. Get days off, but do as much as you absolutely can. Don't do the bare minimum. Just get pissed. It's insane. I mean, it does depend what you're going up there for. But to me, I'm going up there to get better. I know people will go... I'm not going up there. I'm not good enough yet. It's like, you don't go up there to get, no one goes up there to get discovered anymore. Mm. Look at all the best newcomer winners. Mm. They're all five, six, seven years going. Mm. You know, there's no such thing as a newcomer in Edinburgh. Sophie Hagen won it last year. Mm. She'd been going five years in this country and three years in, in Denmark or mm. two years in De- You know, so it's, don't have the mindset that you need to be a certain level. And it's good because it means it's getting back to what the fringe used to be. And that's taking up half-baked ideas. Mm-hmm. And developing them up there, you know. Mm. So last year in Edinburgh, I wrote about 20 minutes, 30 minutes of the material, which formed the basis of this year's show. I say last year, 2015. 2016, I took my first solo show, which was a 40-minute show called Are You Really Being Served? And it's a show all about shopping. I'm now still working on it. I'm going to develop it to its full hour. It's a slow process for me because... It's like, actually, I say for me, for everyone. Mm-hmm. Because we all have to pay our rent as well. And I'm just breaking through into paid work now. I'm getting two, three, four. I think I think my biggest month was June where I had, no, September I had six paid gigs in mm. a month, you know, which was great for me. It is by no means paying your rent. And when I say paid gigs, I don't mean, I mean sweet shop money. I don't mean, you know, this will pay, this will tin of beans, you know. So Edinburgh this year was my first solo show. It was called Are You Really Being Served? And it was 40 Minutes, Coward's Hour. Archie Maddox called it uh, right. a 40 minute show yeah. and I think that's fine because I think there's so much pressure on your full hour you don't ever need to do it mm. you know what I mean it's, mm. it's none of that I, I, so many people going oh what about your full hour and it's like I don't care what the industry mm. thinks mm. I mean you put so much pressure on something you've got a 1 in 400 chance of winning that's insane you know mm-hmm. what I mean you have a 400 to 1 shot and you put so much pressure it's like no no I'd rather just do 45 minute shows or hour shows but not enter them and you know what I mean mm-hmm. it's, it's not it's not my concern whether an industry that I'm already completely unmarketable towards are going to take an interest <laughs> you know what I mean you've got to you've got to play your own game mm-hmm. you know what I mean there's so many people worried about what, go, what goes on in other people's heads and minds in this industry it's like my only goal ever since I started and always has been mm-hmm. is and this is my mantra my only goal is to be a better act mm-hmm. And if I stop 
ever stop being a, what I consider to be a better act in, in maybe six year month, six months, years, mm. kind of, I will stop. Yeah. You know, if I if I hit what I consider to be a wall, and this is good, I'm getting, and I'll never. I mean, fortunately, I'm still quite low down the ladder, so there's a lot of room for development. Mm-hmm. If I get to a stage where I'm, you know, I'm three rungs up this imaginary ladder, mm-hmm. and it's like I'm three rungs up for four or five years. Mm-hmm. I, I don't. I think that's time to stop, isn't it? You know mm-hmm. what I mean? I think you, your only goal, and this should be everyone's only goal, to be a better act, and anything else that comes with that. But just enjoy your own stage. And you, did, you took your first solo show. Yeah, I've done three Edinburghs, five shows. Right, five shows over three years. Are you being served? Are you really being are served? You, sorry, are you really being served? Right. Yeah. And you had fun with it when we took it up there. It did so well. It was such a good, fun show. I mean, my and I'm doing the speech marks here. You can't see it, guys, but my yeah. material is really just an excuse for me being on stage. Yeah. I realised this about two years ago. I it's just an excuse for me to be up there. It, mm-hmm. I could have a piece of shit in my hand. You know, and that's my reason for going on stage. Now, there's a bad side to that in that it'll never make me that slick, marketable comedian the world wants. Mm. But on the other side, I get so much freedom mm. to do what I want on stage, yeah. you know? You can be the best comic that you can be. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's like everything. It's, it's relative to who you are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. you can put everything of you into it rather than just going, I'm just going to do this thing that will get me to that other place what I think that they want that a lot of people are trying to do yeah yeah Rob, you've got to just break down all these layers that are you you're finding out something about you as well yeah. as the thing you love I tell you I tell you who does that really well um, you know David McIver yes David McIver Clown, um, isn't he? yeah well this is it he started off doing kind of whimsical mm. you, you know you know whimsical boy comedy and there's quite a few of them mm-hmm. and he was good at it but now he's kind of branched out and he does quite he does a lot of clowning he, he looks at things from different angles and and he was one of my favourite... He's not a discovery because I knew him. But in Edinburgh this year, he was one of my, wow, David, you mm. are nailing it. Mm. You are doing what you want to do and you're doing it well. You know, that's... I mean, those those are the two hurdles, I think. Do what you want to do and then the second hurdles do mm. it well. His, his stage presence is amazing as well. That He's on stage and he's instantly likable. Mm. That's half the battle as well. I mean, just... Mm? Very true. Very yeah, true. yeah, yeah. You, That's you, it. And he's, a, he's a lovely guy off stage as well. Yeah. He's nicest fella. Yeah. Uh, I remember doing a clown course with him at like stages ago now. Yeah. Oh, I didn't like the clown course myself. But no. he, we could see all these people coming into this course going, oh, they looked like clowns. Even before yeah, they'd yeah. done anything, I'm like, these guys are clowns. I am not yeah. a fucking David, clown. you say you look like a clown, mate. You've got to yeah. take that. <laughs> 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 but yeah. But I was like, yeah. Well, and so I was like, well, he's got big shoes. You can't ever catch me. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you hear him coming. <laughs> 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 totally. Just, just give himself away, you know. Uh, so... <laughs> So yeah, but like, he he was great, and everyone else was killing it. And they're like, "Oh, this is a." They're like, "Oh, just pretend that this jumper is a dog." I'm like, "It's a fucking jumper." A <laughs> I fucking can't pretend jumper. it's not my remit. It's a jumper. It's a fucking jumper. <laughs> and I was just like, "Well, I tried. I did go. I yeah. tried." But everyone else is doing amazing. It's like, yeah, yeah. "Oh my god, it's not a jumper anymore." And I was like, "Okay, I'm what like, are you? A bunch of clowns?" Yes. Uh, but like, it was so weird, like being judged by a group of clowns. You know, I was like, yeah. "Oh my god, I'm so low on this wrong one now." <laughs> How, how could I possibly get any lower than oh, this? I used to hate cloning. Oh. I used to hate it. It used to drive me insane. Mm. And I think it's because I'd seen a lot of really shit clowns mm. that they get. You know when you go, I guess if you go to comedy, but your only experience of comedy is Tuesday night open mic mm. nights, you know, where it's just other acts. 
and there's a lot of guys doing Tinder gags and rape mm. gags and I can tell you're thinking XXX mm. has let himself go saying that I've just written the Tinder gag <laughs> But I can do it and everyone else can't. Mm. Just so um, you know what I mean? So I, I, I say that as I do. Yeah. Well, this, I've been challenged uh, by a friend to say, why don't you go and write gags about subjects you hate? Yeah. So I have actively gone out of my way to write some gags that I'm, so, I'm quite proud of it, actually. I'm quite, it's not a Tinder gag as such. Mm. So I'm quite, I'm not going to do it, obviously, but, um, you know, come to the show, guys. Yeah. Uh, come to me live. Come to me live. <laughs> um, there'll be a guy on stage, be bald, and he'll be showing you his shopping. That's basically the Edinburgh show I did. I was just showing you things I bought. And it killed 40 minutes, so, you know. Oh, was great. I saw that show. I saw, did you do a preview yeah. of, of, in Bookman's? Yeah, oh, I did. I did a fifteen. I think I did mm. a fifteen-minute slot um, mm. with a, a very early preview. It's observational comedy and it's prop comedy mixed together, and it is. But it's it's kind of. I'm not going to say it's different because it isn't. It is just. I'm really really concerned when I do it because I, a lot of it's kind of bought things from the pound shop, and I'm very concerned that people think I am beaten down on people with low incomes. Right. And so I do a whole, the only bit of personalised comedy I do is at the start of that show where I talk about my upbringing. So people know that I come from a, a town that makes Peckham look like a paradise. Right. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I think three people I went to junior school with died of heroin overdoses before they were 15. Wow. That's, that's mm-hmm. the kind of place to come from. But, but I really, it's really important to me to hammer that home because mm-hmm. I don't want to be, because you, you can't see me, but I'm large and I'm bald and I look like a bully and I don't want to be that bully. Mm-hmm. I don't want to be beaten down on people. So mm-hmm. I hammer that home and it, I hope I get across it's ridiculous things that you buy in the pound shop. You know mm. what I mean? It's not, ha, 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 you're poor. It's, mm. who the fuck would buy this from the pound shop? You know what I mean? It's yeah. that kind of thing. And then I do a little bit, and it's a bit hacky, but I, I kind of, again, I made an attempt to go away from the actual subject, but I do a bit about kind of the Waitrose essential range. We've all seen the ridiculous things that Waitrose consider to be essential, like Waitrose essential cheesecakes and things like that. And, uh, my favourite's Rocket, eight Rocket Ice Lollies, Essential Strange. <laughs> you know, yeah. I do a little bit on that, but I kind of quickly get it away from that. But my point being, I don't want to be beaten down on mm. people, and I want to make clear that the middle classes and the upper middle classes make the same ridiculous purchasing. Mm. But yeah, it is just... You're being responsible with your comedy. Really yes, exactly. I think for the cheap laugh. Like you said. Yeah. You're, yeah, I mean, again, back to the Billy Comedy thing you said, you know, he always punched up. You're trying to, you're trying to better people yeah, with your yeah. comedy. Yeah, That's not enough at the fucking people who, yeah. are, who are oppressing. It's not the people, that's not oppress the people further. I mean, there are some very cheap laughs in there. But I think because I've done the groundwork yeah. at the start and during the show, and I keep reminding people the cheap laughs are okay. Because again, it's a cheap laugh at the ridiculousness. Yeah. I hope... Absurdity. I hope thing. not the cheap laugh at mm. look how cheap this is. You must mm. be an awful person to buy this, you know? Yeah. I'm not actively trying to beat down on the people who can the skin. Afford, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. The people who have to shop in these, mm. the, you know, we've got these things because we, we need them, mm. you know, <laughs> which is pitiful, but it's yeah. unfortunate. Wow, we're getting social conscience here. It's, Who'd have thought it? I know. We've got this yeah? really strange path sometimes. Yeah, guys, capitalism is bad. Okay? <laughs> Just love yeah. one another. Yeah, donate now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> one pound a month, you can, I can have a fry up. Yeah, don't buy that drill bit set from the pound shop, you will lose it. Don't buy a drill. This is no. it. This, this, this is exactly what I mean. 
Who would trust a drill bit? That's clearly going to cause you more problems in the long run. You bought a drill bit set from the pound shop. Yeah. Well, what happened when it broke the drill uh, and, and took it, your eye out? It didn't break the drill. Is that why you have a glass eye? It's exactly why. <laughs> you know, and it looks at each other. That's why it's not looking forward. It's looking towards yeah. the other one. Slightly weighted. I need to just shake that off. Uh, uh, just the eye. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you're talking about like your fringe shows and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you have written a play... And you're right, an hour, a full hour this year. Well, it's it's last year's 40 minutes for the next 20 minutes added on. Right. So in actual fact, it's probably going to be last year's 40 minutes with 15 minutes taken away and a new 50 minutes put on. I'm quite mm. happy to have another 40 minute show that's similar to last year. I think, I, I mean, you know, it's like I say, I'm not a full-time comedian. I'd say I was maybe, maybe I'm a semi-pro because I get an X amount of paid gigs a year mm. and I will actively seek them out and they will come to me as well mm. I don't know I think I've got the years off my full hour yet I'm happy to be so mm. um, I think what I'll do is I will remove some of the weaker bits of the the 40 minute show mm. and add in some equally weak bits but just enough so that it, if you have seen it last year it's a little bit different yeah. and then I am I'm writing a play for this year that's I mean these are both I've both applied for my free spots yeah. so whether or not I get them or not I'm, I'm maybe who you apply to? Uh, PBH. Oh, yeah. I'm very much a PBH man. Mm. I, I know he has his detractors, and in some cases, they've got a point. But I don't know. There are very few people in this industry who have earned the right to say, my way or the highway. Mm. And I feel PBH is one of them. Mm. Okay. For 20-odd years, I think we're 25th year, 20, mm. he has given so many acts the opportunity to appear in the fringe for next to nothing and I say next to nothing three grand two and a half grand that is next to nothing even compared to the ten grand or the mm-hmm. eight grand you would pay yeah. so you know and by that that's including your accommodation and your flyers and all that so, so uh, you know I think there's very few people who have earned that right and I think he's one of them because he has a, he's worked selflessly for others and I think you have to have that you have to have a yes or no answer if you're doing so if, you, if you're dealing with 3,000 applicants mm. for 600 shows. You can't be fucking around with mm. grey areas and negotiation. You have to, is it coming in on these rules? The answer is yes. The other fringes don't do that. Yes, they do. Mm. They just have a different set of rules mm. and they're not as, they're a bit more blasé about it. But I think, I think because he is, his, his fringe is so big, he has to be a dictator, mm. albeit a benevolent one. Because otherwise, he would spend his free time constantly arguing with people over email, mm. which I think he does anyway. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I think, I, I think for his own sanity, he has to have that kind of hardline level, which has got him a reputation as being a quirky character, shall we say. For choosing my words wisely. Mm. Did you have an acting background as well? Or? I had... Um, extracurricular drama lessons when I was a child. Right. Um, that my it sounds darker than this. It does. It does. It's kind of ooh. It was in a basement. No, it was, it was basically it was cheaper than childcare. You wear this way. school. Uh, yeah, wear this, this is an extracurricular. Don't tell your mum. Uh, oh, I tell you what. If we weren't in a container, that would have been a fine comment. Uh, no, yeah, it was. It was basically cheaper than childcare for my parents. So they sent me to these acting lessons on two or three nights a week. It was good fun, but I didn't retain a single bit of it. And then. I did a couple of acting courses in my 20s and then again in my 30s. So, you know, kind of... And then I, I do bits and bobs of extra work and mm. as a background artist and I've been in a couple of sketches. And, and one thing I do is really, really good for... I, I recommend this to any stand-up. 
I do murder mystery dinners. Oh, yeah. They don't pay well. They they pay very little, in fact. However, you get, if you, if you haven't got a gig on a Friday or a Saturday, there's usually one that you can get to. They've often got people who've dropped out. There's a story, not a script. Mm. And you get two and a half hours of improvisation, which doesn't cost you anything. You know mm. what I mean? It's kind of, and where do you get two and a half? It's straight improvisation. Mm. But then at the same time, it's what you make it. I often play it funny. And, and for that alone, those kind of uh, stretching your wings and, yeah. and keeping, and I'd, I'll maybe do two a month. Yeah. Just if if I if I've got a slow month, two months the most of them. Again, like I say, I mean you know two and a half hours of improvisation mm. around a script, interacting with other characters, and it's paid, albeit not very well. Mm. And you get a dinner. So yeah, I mean I'd recommend that to any stand up. Mm. Get into that. They're always looking for people, looking for good people who a decent meal. You can get a decent meal and, you know, a couple of quid in your pocket for a decent meal the next day, yeah. And if you haven't got... I mean, I don't sign up to many, but what I do is I wait until they have a dropout and say, you're free for this one, Mm. and I'll I'll pick it up if I don't have a gig. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, so I do have a bit of a... Not an an actor background, but it's always been flirting with Mm. the drama side, you know what I mean? So Um, improv, yeah. Have you done improv levels as well? I am, I'm, I mean... Yes, I've done I've done bits and bobs of improv over the years. Um, I've I've done a couple of one day courses recently to, just mm. to brush up. So we really? are funny. I've been running the only the only problem I found is there's too many people of different levels, and I would say I was maybe intermediate, mm. not beginner, intermediate. Mm-hmm. But there were people that were really good, and I felt really bad for the people who were really good mm. because they were getting teamed up with people who weren't as good you know mm-hmm. what I mean and that was the problem and that is always going to be a problem with the drop in day mm-hmm. isn't it you know what I mean mm-hmm. it makes the people who are not as good better but it doesn't do anything for mm-hmm. so I felt sorry for those guys but you know it was it's, it's a £10 course it's, it's a drop in day and it's great fun and if, if you're looking for a bit of stage time it will get you you know an hour of stage time as well so mm-hmm. yeah so I've done a couple of them recently and they are well worth they're well worth the money so, drama-ish background. Yeah. Right. Activity. Been in a commercial or two. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Come on, Phil. Oh, no. God, no. Come on. Uh, I'll tell you what I was doing. I'll tell you what I was doing. i was doing recently. I was, um, I was doing voiceovers. Oh, yeah. you, for... I was going to say that. You've got a voice for it, you know? Oh, no, no, no. This is it. I, I was I not mean, back it's not, it's not, yes. <laughs> you got a, you got a voice, voice for radio. radio. <laughs> there you go. It was really strange. I, I was doing uh, voiceovers for a radio station. Hmm. It, it, it's a new radio station launching called Fix FM and it's aimed at the building trade now it's a really great idea when you think about it it's what they used to call narrow casting mm. where you target your target audience so you charge more for your commercials so everyone listening to Fix FM are going to be interested in the commercials running mm-hmm. for home base or whatever yeah. lumber yeah. yards and so I had to do but they really kind of went stereotyping and I had to kind of go in there's four or five of us and we had to chant Fix FM Fix FM here we Jesus Fix you know what I mean yeah. we love hammers yeah, and yeah. it's kind of I thought there must oh, be no. some people in the building trade that don't talk like that totally. and as I'm doing as I'm doing that I'm thinking I should have, I should have should have shouted Lenny Sherman to do this yeah. you know you know Big Len mm-hmm. and he is he, they call him the geezer comedian yeah. Yeah. I should have thought oh this is Lenny's job I'm taking here yeah. and, but as they were doing it this is the kind of uh, they, everyone likes content now mm. don't they and so we had to do it dressed as builders so that they filmed it did you go in fully in, like in, in, yeah you know, fully dressed like, so yeah. they gave us high vis and helmets and, and although I've got a bit of out of it for the, the show this year the helmets they were brand new helmets and I'm thinking if we were builders these would be scuffed up but no. they're brand new. but helmets they 
They were brand new. They came with an instruction. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. And I'm thinking, this is amazing. And I'm reading this instruction manual. And I'm thinking, if you need an instruction manual for a helmet, you probably do need a helmet. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, and it locked on. <laughs> yeah, locked on. Do not take removed. And I'm thinking, I can get three minutes out of this. Yeah, great. <laughs> so, yeah, that was, that was the best thing for the voiceovers. I, 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 I nabbed the instruction manual for a helmet. So expect that at a new material night soon. Me on stage with instruction manual for a helmet reading out of it. Can't wait to see it. Yeah, oh, you know, it's... Uh, it's, it's, it's better than writing jokes. Yeah. It's easier. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. Life happens. Eh? Yeah. Well, you know, they say comedy's real life mm. and tragedy. I yeah. think there's a lot of tragedy in an instruction manual for yeah. a helmet. You know what I mean? Sure. It's, I mean, it's in the buyer. I think entirely yeah. in the buyer. What's your biggest high this year? What's or, or the last couple oh, of years? Was it the Fringe? I think it was my best Fringe so far, and it did really well. Kind of was a little bit contrived by me, but for one reason or another. I was at capacity on eight times. My room held 60. I had 60 people in the room. I had people not being able to get in. I had people standing. My lowest crowd was was just under 20, which is amazing. And that was on the bad Mondays, you know what I mean? And then uh, it evened off about 30 or 40. And the shows just, even the bad, because you, you do 18, 20 shows in a row. Even the bad ones weren't bad. They were just weird Mm. or a bit average do you know what I mean and I think one of my problems was I, I, I smashed it with the first day and so the next three days were spent trying to compete with that mm. but then I smashed it again and it was like so So even the, the drop downs were still you know I still see even the bad shows were, were 7 out of 10 mm. you know what I mean mm. so so yeah I think and it was, a, it, was, it was a reasonable number of things I mean it is all about marketing but I didn't actively go out and market market I realised because my show location was in Cowgate Head, which is just on top of Cowgate, it's opposite the underbelly. And my showtime is 3.15. Now, the free fringe will always be the daytime. Free fringe shows at night always struggle because people have what they consider to be their real shows at night, the things they paid the £10, £15 for. So, and they usually start at five, six o'clock. So at 3.15, everyone's finished their lunch and they're looking for something to go to. Mm. And this is what, this is what I realized like last year, the year before last, is that if you put it on at the right time, the right location, and I started, I called it, are you really being served? So it starts with an A. So it comes up in the guide first. Mm. It comes up on the app first. So if you're walking around Edinburgh, what's near me now? The first thing it comes up, it starts with an A. It's, you know what I mean? And, yeah. and I realized it made me a bit lazy for flyering, actually. It made me a little bit lazy because I realized I was good for about 15 people every day without flyering. Mm. And that's good and bad. You know what I mean? I mean, because you want to be hustling. You want to be working and selling a show. At the same time, on days I couldn't be asked, I could take a back foot, mm. you know? It was, I mean, it was, I remember this was a Saturday and you should always be asked on a Saturday, but I ruined it for my... I had one really drunken night out. It was the Friday, the first Friday, and I felt I really ruined the Saturday for myself. I, I didn't want to do it. I didn't do any flyering. I thought, no one's going to show up. And 35 people came. And I was like... And I said, so fast, I said, guys, I, I'm not into this. You can, if you chose another show, I wouldn't be heartbroken. They're like, no, no, we want to see it. It's like, oh... You know what I mean? I gave them every opportunity. And, and Harren X and... Matt Hutchinson was just in the, sh- the room next door. I was like saying, it's a really good show next door. It's about science and it's funny and it's, 
And no, they wanted me to do it. <laughs> but we've all done that. We've all had days where we just don't want to do the show. It's funny, isn't it? It's like that complete, like, no, I, look, I don't want to do it today. We made him want to see it more, didn't yeah, they? Yeah, like, yeah, oh, yeah. No, we definitely want to see yeah. this guy. This, no, this guy's telling us we, we're not going to see it. No, I, yeah. I'm sure I'm going to see it now. <laughs> if, if, you, if you don't do it, I'm coming back tomorrow. I'm bringing everyone. Because you've got to, I mean, you said that's one of the terms and conditions yeah. with, with PBH is, if there's one person in the room, you've mm. got to do the show. Mm. I agree, because they've come all their way, and it's bad for branding. But I always, if there is a low crowd, and there wasn't this year, but there has been, I've always given them the option, saying, it's not a big crowd, it's up to you if we go ahead. Mm-hmm. And if they vote to go ahead, we do it. You know what I mean? And if it is only one person, it's... I mean, but, um, Bridget Christie does a bit about that. Uh, I don't know if it's true or not, but she said she only had one person in her show. Mm. And the show is about witches, and she usually gets one person out of the audience who she claims is a witch, and she runs around them going, you're a witch, <laughs> And, uh, I, I mean, I don't know if it's true or if it's just a bitch mm. does, but um, apparently, according to it, mm. she, she dragged a, an audience member out of the crowd, the one audience member, and ran around her calling her a witch, mm. whilst dressed as a penis, I think. So, yeah. <laughs> or something. No, it might have been King Charles. I can't remember. They're two very similar people. But, yeah, so mm. that's probably my highlight. A really nice thing happened, actually. Do you know Miranda Kane? Yes, I do. Lovely, lovely lady. Does yes. a very good show mm. uh, called The Coin Up Girl. It's all about her previous life as a as an escort. Mm. And she has entered a competition with Amazon Audible to mm. commission a sitcom. And it's basically, if you've got enough votes, you've got the sitcom commission. Mm. And she cast me in the pilot. And that was great. And it's good fun. And in the, also in the pilot was Hugh Dennis. Hugh Dennis, right. Hugh Dennis he was in it. And so that goes on the Amazon Audible, and sure enough, it gets commissioned. It wins the vote, and it gets commissioned. So we, I, I, I then they hire us back to re- reprise the character over six episodes, and that's great. And it's not gone out yet. I think it goes out at the end of this month, hmm. and I'm really looking forward to it. Cause I think it's, I think, I think it's going to be really good. Let me know. You know let me know yeah, when yeah, it's yeah. come out, man. Just yeah, g- g- tag me into that. Yeah, post you're going to put. Up, I will man. do. I, I mean, yeah. Miranda, she's written. Oh, it's called Slaving Away, and it's all about her previous life in, mm. in, as an escort where, <laughs> and the dominatrix. I don't know how much of it's true, but it's certainly very funny record. You know what I mean? It, had, it has a very kind of... I'd say it has a very upmarket... Not upmarket, modern, but carry-on feel to it. Do you know what I mean? But in the best possible, just like mm. the early ones that are funny, not the, the crap ones. Mm. So, yeah, that's how I felt about it when we were recording it. So I enjoyed that. So that happened this year. So, you know, there's been Great. a couple of good, really good highs on that. Yeah, that's what this scene does, isn't it? It's, but we're on the spit and sawdust scene and we think of things that are ideal. Um, she thought of me for this part because of... You, do you know Sarah Mills, musical comedian? Uh, no. Um, she's very good. She's very, very good. She's got really good material. Ear-piercing laugh. Sarah fancies me. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, she does. You hear that? You do. Uh, Sarah fancies me a lot. And we have a very bickering relationship, mm. friendship. And she thought of both of us for the husband and wife neighbours because of our bickering. That's what the industry does. The spit and sort of circuit does. It helps you in that way because people will remember. You know, make friends with people on the circuit and they kind of go, oh, well, I know you so well. You're right? ideal you're for that. Ideal you know what I mean? Time, it's yeah. kind of, yeah. That, I mean, that, that's happened to me with gigs a few times mm. where they have, I mean, because I'm quite a big character mm. and they had uh, quite a few people said, I've got a regular audience, a lovely audience, a very sedate, will you come and do the opening to pick them up? Yeah. And I won't do amazingly well, but I know that. I know I'm cannon fodder. I'm, I, I can do well as cannon fodder. My energy's big. 
I get laughs, I'm good at working the room, mm-hmm. and it allows the next acts to kind of go in a bit. I often find when there's a, a weaker MC, mm. I'll be an opening act for them, and I'm fine with that. That's great. I mean, it's great. You set the night up for everyone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Need. yeah. I've seen you, you, you gig, and I've seen you. You're just like you're just you have a MC joy with you when yeah. you're on stage anyway, and a warmth and like you're like yeah, let's go, guys. This yeah, is yeah. It. Come on board. You're, they're already on board because you're like yeah, well, this yeah. Is, this is going on. We're gonna I've do got this. nothing. No, no, no. It's, <laughs> it's great. I mean, I, I say I saw you that a few times. You know, I've seen mm. you many times actually, but. It, it was like you just have that energy and warmth in it. You, I mean, you've emceed a lot as well. Yeah, you? yeah, yeah. So that's it. You know, you have like this. I learned a long time ago. I wasn't the act to go on stage and be instantly liked. I had to earn it because mm-hmm. I mean, I am. I, I, I'm a large fella with a bald head. I look like I'm going to kick off. Mm-hmm. I'm not. They don't know I'm a nice kind of uh, radio four listening chap. I learned a long time ago that I couldn't go on. I'm always really jealous of those guys that go on. I think you're one of them. You go on and you're instantly like that. Being Irish always helps. Mm. You go up, people like the accent, you're warm, you're friendly. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, but the thing is with me, I've always worked against that still. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> in my, in like, on the outside, I'm sure that, that's how yeah. it appears, but inside, I'm the complete opposite. I'm one of the bad Irish from the 80s. <laughs> but, it's like, but that's, I'm like, and I, but I never, but I never see myself as that. You know, yeah, it's like, yeah. a, you know, ugliness goes to the bone, my friend, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. what it is. But yeah. if people see that, I'm happy. I'm right. like, wow. Now you've just given me an idea and how they actually, they actually like me when I go yeah. on stage now I, you are, I never thought that I was like oh they, they must hate me okay. no no so, you, yeah. you are, you want it, you're likeable I, I don't know what it I is just, I just changed my whole act oh, well. <laughs> <laughs> well maybe your act works because you're yeah. likeable maybe maybe you know maybe if I did your material like who is this yeah, awful man <laughs> maybe <laughs> oh that, yeah that's it we'll swap around we'll do swaps there's, there's a few of them there's a few acts that go on stage and are really really likeable and I'm really jealous of yeah. them all of it Rosie Holt is one do you know Rosie mm-hmm. Holt love Rosie great comedian mm. and she walks on stage and she has a kind of a confident vulnerability mm. that you want her to do well mm. so when she does do something that's close to the bone it goes across really mm. well because everyone's really on her side you know what I mean whereas I, this is another thing as well I've got to be careful with punching down mm. is if I say something that's meant to be ironic mm-hmm. and not punching down yeah. I have to really over deliver it mm. because if I don't, people will believe it. And that's the problem with, I mean, you know, Andrew Lawrence and yeah. all this thing that goes wrong with Andrew Lawrence and blah, 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 blah. The problem for me with Andrew Lawrence and Jim Davidson and a few other comedians, and when, and when people say, oh, what's the difference between when Jimmy Carr and Frankie Boyle says something awful? Mm. The very big difference to me is you can believe. Andrew Lawrence and Jim Davidson and Dapper Laughs mean it. But when Jimmy Carr says something awful or Frankie Boyle says something awful, which he hasn't done for years, mm. actually, you don't believe it. Mm. You know what I mean? You don't believe it's real. You believe it's the comedian on stage saying it. Whereas because Andrew Lawrence is so belligerent on his tweets and Dapper Laughs are the same, it's hard. And I'm not saying it's true. Mm. I'm saying it's hard to distinguish between character and real life. Mm. And certainly with someone like Jim Davidson, it's definitely hard to distinguish yeah, between no, character. True. And that is what I am very, very wary of, that when I say something, I have to make sure, whilst it might be awful, it might be funny, mm. I have to make sure that people don't believe it. I'm very conscious, because if you believe it of Andrew Lawrence, 
it's I'm not comparing myself to him uh, uh, very different types that you know he's mm. successful and good and been on the television mm. and I'm in basements <laughs> but you know I mean even if you do believe it from him he's he looks like he's made out of pipe cleaners. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I look like I'm a tank, so I have to be really careful mm. not to upset people. You know yeah. what I mean? So that's very that's one thing I'm very conscious of. Mm. I mean, that, what we talked about there is like how everyone perceives that person. Yeah, yeah. And it's very easy to go, well, one person goes, oh, no, they weren't thinking that. Yeah. How the fuck do you know what that person was thinking? Care what the person thinks and my perception of that person. But it's like, I get it, that was just for a joke. It wasn't yeah. trying. He, it was just a, for a cheap laugh. Yeah, he was yeah. trying to do something, yeah. and it just went the right. He couldn't control it. Yeah, you can't control once you create something. You can't control what someone's going to do. With yeah, no, creation. you can't. Yeah, it's like, well, oh fuck no, I've created a fucking monster. Yeah. What has happened? Oh shit, I've locked into this. Maybe someone you do a joke about uh, an off-color joke about some subject, and mm. something that has happened to somebody, mm. and you go, well, look, I'm, well, I'm sorry it's happened to you, but that wasn't my intention mm. to make you feel bad. But I'm sorry, life is fucking unfair and like yeah, yeah, shit. Yeah, but what yeah. are we going to talk about? Do you want me to just do jokes about a man drawer? You know? Yeah, you no, know? you're right, you're right. It, you're it's right. really difficult. I mean, because then you're, in the end, you're just we're doing what you said before, for shaving all of the, the the edges off of everything. Yeah. And going, oh no, this is what we we need to put forward. The, yeah, the no, you're right. Sort of you thing. are right. And I know. Yeah. What, I mean, I, I I know that there are greater extremes of each of these the, these examples. Yeah. But the circuit police is itself enough. And I think that those one or two individuals that may have had a bit of clout or may have got a bit of momentum really haven't really helped a situation that is already too bland as it is. Yeah, no, you're right. You are right. Um, but, I mean, I can only speak on a personal level. Of course, that's absurd. Yeah, and, and the personal level is I don't want people to ever believe totally. that some of the things that I say I think, you know? Um, no, you've got to tread carefully. Yeah. You've got to be true to yourself. I mean, yeah. I, t- I totally get what you're saying. I mean, I know um, Zach came a cropper, didn't he? Zach Split. Oh, really? I, I, yeah, he won a competition and some... Less Square Theatre competition. Yeah, he yeah, yeah. As his character, LJ Defunk. And someone went online, and I, I can't remember who it was, but he's a more established comedian than, than Zach. He went online and he said, like, this character, I saw this character, it's racist, I can't believe it's one of the... And it's like, you clearly haven't got the joke. But it's like what we're saying is, is you can't police people's perception. However, I was quite shocked a comedian said that, mm. being that, you know, someone himself will deal with a character, because we're all characters on stage. Mm. And if you're not a character on stage, you need to develop one. Mm. Because even if it's just an exaggeration character of yourself, mm. just to protect yourself mainly, mm. you know what I mean? It's kind yeah. of, it's a shield. The character's a shield mm. as much as it is, you know. Because, uh, I, I mean, you have a bad gig and it's kind of, uh, it's like... You come off and think, "Oh, Steve did badly on stage tonight." You know what I mean? <laughs> I'm it's glad you've got that get out. I can't. I can't. I'm just. I'm just raw now. I'm like, "Oh fuck it!" Just. Yeah. just oh, 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 you got. Oh, I'm just like, "Oh, you. You've hurt me." Okay, just carry on. Yeah, yeah. Just, just carry on through it. You, you know didn't like my friend Steve, did you? Not? <laughs> <laughs> my brother. Me. Yeah, that's it. My evil twin. I didn't know that. Is he? He's still doing comedy though. Yeah, right? yeah. Zach's doing well. Right. And, and, you know, and he's, he's, he's still doing that character. Yeah, right? the oh, character well. LJ Defunk's amazing. His right. Edinburgh show this year was amazing. Excellent. One of my favourite shows of the year. He has. I mean, he's always been a good. He's been going quite a while. He's always been a really, really good act. Hmm. And then the LJ Defunk character, which came in a couple of years ago, he's just been developing and developing. You know when you learn a second language that you have to think mm-hmm. in that language? I think he now thinks in character. 
right. which is the sign of a great character because mm. it means you have the onion level, legal, kind of peel the onion and mm. he could answer questions about the character's history and character, yeah. you know. I think that's I think that's the sign of a really good character. Yeah. It's 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 not made up on base level stereotypes. Mm. It is it's made up of a very good personality. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's got and depth now. When you yeah, exactly. See the world through yeah, those eyes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's a great show. If he does it in London, go and see it. It's or Hamill Hempstead. It's mm-hmm. really. It's well worth. It's well worth your time. You know. What's your lowest low of the last couple of years? Since? My lowest last couple. Of, oh man, this is just going to get into me slagging off acts, isn't it? You don't have um, to. It could be no, I mean, you. It, no, I'll, I'll, I'll do it because I do like saying it, and also. <laughs> The people people will be sick of me saying this now. Right. But I had I think it was last year. God, I hope it was last year. No, it was two thousand fifteen. So it's a couple of years ago now and I'm mm. still bitter about it. Right, so I'm not gonna name his name, okay? But he's an erratic promoter at best mm. who used to run a night in Covent Garden is now running a night in Leicester Square. Now everyone who knows everyone will probably work out who this is. And he advertised for open spots. And I, I always thought he, he, he didn't like me, which is fine. You don't have to like me. You know what I mean? I'm okay with that. That's the way the world works. There's a lot of people I don't like. And I went down for one of these open spots. I said, have you got, can I get one of you? I'm trying new bits out. And he went, oh, I don't know if I'll get you on. I said, you, you, half an hour ago, you advertised to say you've got open spots. Yeah, I don't know if I'll get you on. So I said, fair enough. So I said, I'll hang around and see. So I waited for one of these open spots. And... Is at the time there was an act who had been accused of stealing material, and it turned out he had been stealing material. You know what I mean? It's kind of mm. uh, <laughs> it's a shame because he was a likable, nice lad, and mm. I think the jokes of his own he had were okay. But he had been nicking other acts' material, and he got outed for it, and he disappeared. And it was probably going to be his last gig, and he was upstairs like, "I can't, I can't do this gig, and my head's not right." And he disappeared, and he was supposed to be the opening act. And so the MC was, uh, was it says, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome you stage your first act, XXX, you know. And he was knowing everything around, and I went, he's, he's gone. He said, the right amount of syllables as well for that, that person's yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. So I went, wow. <laughs> it is, it is. <laughs> so he disappeared. He disappeared. And I said, he said I could have a spot. He's not in the right headspace. And so the promoter said, all right, mate, should we give some guy I don't know a go? And it's like, you've known me for a year and a half now. Come on, and you better not be shit, is what he said before he brought me up. But previous to bringing me up, he had spent about six minutes, seven minutes. He conned four teenage boys into the venue, like 15, 16 on the promise that he'd buy them drinks, he then spent about five, six minutes picking on them, saying, which of you's the virgin? Who's the virgin? Point out the virgin. Who's the virgin? Do you know who I'm talking about? Who's the virgin? I know exactly who you're And eventually one of them cracks, and they point out the virgin. He then picks on the virgin for ages, tries to get him to snog a female member of the audience. Then the, the, head, the opening act disappears. Then he says, let's give a guy I don't know a chance. You better not be shit, mate. And I went on stage and I tanked. 
No! Of course I do! No! And, no. and, and uh, that's great. What, what an opening. I mean, oh, I know. Oh, do you want to start at zero? How about 50 below? How about 50? Uh, 100 and below? And then zero? he's at the side of the stage, about four minutes in, he's going, doing the, the, the cut it motion, going, you're shit, mate, like that. And I said, well, I think your MC wants his stage back since he was doing so well himself. And I waited to talk to him. I said, what the fuck was that? And he went, this is a professional club. And I says, as a rule, a professional club knows where their opening act is and doesn't con teenagers. So, yeah, and that, I mean, that was a couple of years ago now, but that was probably my lowest point because that knocked me for weeks. That really, really set me back. And it's like I'd never experienced hostility from an MC. But I have since, and I'm fine with it now, but I hadn't developed my my shield at that point. I'd only been going a year and a half. I hadn't been, I hadn't developed the, the personality I am the now callous. wasn't there. The yeah, exactly. Callous. Around the heart. <laughs> so, and it was like, hang on, it was my first experience of an MC actively not supporting the acts. Mm. It's, it's happened since, often at, at nights where they're new nights where people don't know what they're but this guy's been going a good few years and, and I, I've, I've told that story to a couple of people and I've heard similar stories back mm. And I know, I, I, I even told it to a pro, mm. and he said, yeah, I will never gig for that man. But, I mean, there's, I mean, there's lots of stories like that floating around, but that's mine. And we've all got, we've all got a, a, a Martin Besseman yeah. story. Uh, you know, it's, well, it's not Martin Besseman, by the way. It's, we've all got a, a story about Martin Besseman yeah. getting your name wrong and things yeah. like that. And I love Martin to bits. Mm-hmm. But I wish he'd write the names on a bit of the hand, you know yeah, what I mean? And not in a, in a, in a colour that he can't see. Because <laughs> <laughs> those rooms are, are they're quite dimly lit. Yeah. No, I love, I love my... I, I emceed his, I emceed his, his New Year's Eve gig. And, oh, yeah. and, and that, was, that was a great laugh. I mean, it was oversold. It was small and you couldn't get to the buffet, they promised. But it was, mm. it was a great laugh. Yeah, I mean, he's brought me on stage with Simon McNeil... Uh, <laughs> Steve Mick whatever you know what I mean yeah, it's kind yeah. of and bless him I, I, you know it's just like ah and then I'll go on stage and I'll talk for about three minutes about mm. how my name is and what it is you know mm. it's kind of yeah. uh, I mean we've all got stories like that with our favourite promoters mm. but I mean this one that I had in 2015 in, in Covent Garden was just it was just a punch in the kidneys oh, do you know what yeah. I mean and it was a I can't do this anymore oh, I yeah. can't I can't it was one of those, and I saw John Long emceed me a couple of days later, and he goes, mm. "You're shot." He says, "You're MC. Your 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 nerves are gone." Mm. He says, "He says you're the least confident I've ever." You know, bless John for actually yeah. having the the decency to tell me mm. what I knew, mm. because you know sometimes you like people to recognise your failings. Mm. And I said, "I know." I'm. Right. I says, "I'm really." And I told the story to him. And he says, "Oh," yeah. he says, "Yeah, that guy's." Plunker. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so yeah. Uh, well, you know, there's a lot of plunkers out there. There yeah. really are a lot, you know, and that is that is the problem. But, hey, but most of this is it though. There's a lot of plunkers, and most of them are likable. Oh, the mm. most, you know, I mean, they have something likable about them, mm. and that's what stops you from really being angry because you can always go, ah, oh, you've trust me up a kipper here, but ah, oh, bless you. Yeah. Whereas this guy. There's nothing likable. Oh, no, wow. you know what I mean. I don't find it. He's one of these guys. I think he's got into comedy to hit on the audience. Oh yeah, that seems to be his prime motivation. Mm. And it's just. I mean, I know everyone slags off Inky Jones. I've never met the guy. Mm. He might be lovely. Mm. I don't take anyone else's opinion on it. Yeah. But I can't imagine. But he's he strikes me as that kind of similar character that everyone yeah. talks to Inky about. You know what yeah, I mean? Because yeah. I'm, you know, if you're listening, Inky, I'm sure you are. 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't miss a podcast. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I did Red Raw. You know Red Raw in Glasgow. Yeah, yeah. So, so if you apply for your Red Raw dates, you get three dates. You get Glasgow. If you don't live in the area, you get Glasgow. Uh, you get Edinburgh, Glasgow, Newcastle. Mm. And I'm, I'm not going to be a big head by saying I, I delivered on every single one. Right. I smashed it. My Glasgow one, I got three applause breaks. Great. Uh, Edinburgh one was even better and the Newcastle one um, I, I ran on a bit at a time but he was letting me go because I was doing okay. well yeah, yeah. and you know I got applause breaks every single one and the Glasgow's memorable because it's three ones in fact the Glasgow one is now my demo Great. to send to people yeah. but I asked for the feedback and the feedback I got was this isn't something we'd look at developing and I just think what an act getting laughs isn't something you look. An act doing better than the headliner isn't something you look. And it's heartbreaking, oh, you know. Yeah. I mean, it's like, well, what the freaking blinking flip mm. are you looking for? And mm. you know, I, don't get me wrong, it's great that they gave me feedback mm. because a lot of people go, yeah, really good, keep trying, mate. They gave, they told me straight up, we're not going to develop you, and it's good because it means I don't keep knocking at their door. Yeah, yeah. But at the same time, I want to know what you're looking at, looking mm. for, and I know what they're looking for. They're, I know I'm too unpredictable and too erratic on stage that which is where a lot of my laughter comes from they don't want that they want like i say the nice safe uh, yeah safe hands. The, the, the safe hands oh, and, and the same that's the thing that's just, that, that's just exactly the same mm. scenario that i had to begin with when i first started yeah when I first started I was like oh, well you'll go we'll go full time that once mm. you know and i was like i was like oh this is the energy that they want they yeah, want yeah. to be this big character yeah. and i don't want to be that person who's yeah. up there just going meh 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 <laughs> and I'm like call back and I cannot totally and I'm like and I was like I, I can't and I was like when I watch that I know that like, guy I know oh, that guy totally this guy oh that guy and he's so annoying because he gets laughs with yeah, it yeah 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 and I was like oh no they want me to do this big thing they mm. want me to just destroy them and I will bring them they, they will come with me yeah. and that was I was going at it like I, I felt like I was going and I'm listening to back to all my all my gigs in the last four maybe four years that that because I didn't listen to the one the previous years because yeah. I cannot do that I cannot yeah, yeah, I yeah. go back far back and so I was like right and I'd be like oh god the desperation in my voice yeah, I'm yeah, like yeah, oh god yeah. I, I hate that guy yeah. and I'm, and as I'm going it's like and I and I'm like I've got a couple of gags that if I'm gigging somewhere I think I'm and this is awful but if I'm gigging somewhere where I think the people are terrible mm. and we've all done those gigs but I've got a couple of gags I use to gauge the audience mm. and if they laugh at them I yeah. hate them for it yeah. you know what I mean I've got a couple of I drop them in and they're quite cheap and they're very low rent yeah. and, my, and don't get me wrong my material is not at all highbrow it is very very cheap but I hope you're laughing at it for the right reasons mm. you know what I mean mm. you're laughing at the ridiculousness not you're laughing at the poor mm. people and this is the thing mm. and when they laugh I'll, I'll drop in a few early gags easy ones mm. often they'll do well and oh, yeah. I think oh I oh. hate you and I hate me for doing yeah, those things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but I need that 40 pounds. 
That's I'm so to Johnny Murphy. I was like, look, you know, you got to go to like go, you know, go up further away and, and do your get your gags and whatever. It's like, and then sometimes you take a bag of shit. Sometimes you take your what you consider your gold. Yeah, and you go and and you know that that place is not going to yeah any yeah for yeah. That. And you're like, oh, but this is really this is so yeah. well crafted. Yeah. But you want this bag of shit? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is just yeah. a bag of shit, you know. And, yeah. and that is the uh, and, and that's the thing. It's like you know, as you as like I I always feel that. When that person was going, uh, like, I always felt that they weren't working hard enough. Yeah. That's what I always felt. Yeah. And I thought, no. And it's because you see the headliners, they go up there and they're doing their bit and they're going like, and I, I know, maybe I'm just like, that's paranoia or like, I'm being short, but like, I was like, these headlines are really tall. Usually. <laughs> and maybe that's just my mind. They could be tiny, but in my yeah. head, they're really The industry tall. wants them tall. Yeah. And you'll like, never, you know, you'll never break it. Like, <laughs> God, the glass ceiling is really low for me, but ironically too high. <laughs> it's a coffee table for those guys, you know. They're just placing their drinks down on my glass ceiling, and I'm looking up going, "If only I could get that drink." Uh, oh man! And, and, but, yeah, and, and, it probably, and it's probably a free drink, but yeah, it but, is. But like you know, so you're there, and like, and you're watching, like, oh, and they just they're like, mur, mur, mur. and I'm like, oh, they're, and they're tall, and they're they're just imposing, and I'm like, mur, 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 mur. and I'm like. But I'm sure I need to just run for this. I need to show that I'm working. I need to show that I'm giving them everything that I yeah. got. And I'm like, and then they're like, they go no, because you're going, you're going at them too much. And yeah, going, yeah, this yeah. is too much for me. Yeah, you know. But it's that kind of thing. That, that thing is like, you know, you have that that like you're you say you're, you describe yourself as a tank. Yeah, right. Like, I am a minigun. It's what right. I am. Yeah, I just go. <laughs> and they're like, oh no. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I go at like Jesse Ventura in Predator, uh, the first one. You know, <laughs> I'm like, and the, the audience is there, like, no. Oh, like this, you know, and I, I might don't ruin Predator for anyone who hasn't Sorry. seen it yet. It's come out on DVDs. Yeah, spoiler alert. There we yeah. go. I, I should put that at the top of this podcast. This but is... yeah, but um, sorry. Anyway, I digress about like stuff about doing performing and comedy. But yeah, yeah, so so I think that we've done the lows, right? So Steve, when can we come and see you live, and what is happening? You're going to the Fringe and doing this play. Hopefully, um, this, hopefully, hopefully this so, year. So hopefully this year. When you see me, well, I my my show has. My show is doing a really weird one-off date in the middle of a village near Lancaster in on March the third. Uh, a guy came to see my show in Edinburgh in the first week, and he did. He, he brought a handful of people. They didn't put any money in my bucket, which was annoying. But they came back seven days later. They said we came to see your show. Uh, they said we didn't put anything in the bucket. Here's a five. I said no, no, it's fine. And he went, no, it was the best thing we saw all fringe. And I can only think you've seen a lot of shit this fringe guy. You've made some poor fringe choices. But uh, take the compliments, Steve. Yeah. <laughs> That's what we do, isn't it? It's like, oh my god, what else have you been seeing? <laughs> I can't take this. Did you think do you think a man being in a car crash is a performance art piece? Because it's probably just a car crash. And uh, don't say it had great energy, I will tell you. Are you uh, rip the fiber so brave. Um, no, I took that fiber. Um, and so and then a couple of weeks later he gets in touch and says, Do you want to come and do your show at uh, local charity festival and I says of course he goes what would you charge I says well, I'm happy to do it for free just pay my accommodation my travel so yeah I'm doing it on March the 3rd in Belton uh, in, just outside of Lancaster which I'm a bit kind of I don't know how it'll go down do you know what I mean I'm kind of I do like playing out of London and all mm. I it's weird it's kind of our London they want it more mm. you know what I mean mm. all my best gigs have been out of London they've always wanted it more mm. Um, and I guess it's because not a lot happens in the, the towns, and not to put the towns down, it, 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 you don't get comedy every 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 week. Where in London you get comedy every night, and also it does feel like a community. You know what I mean? Mm. So when you play out of London, 
there are always a lot more kind of... I did a gig, even Glasgow, I did a gig uh, at Vesbar on, or Yesbar on Sunday night. And they, it was only a small crowd of 20, which, by the way, they were saying it's a small crowd. And I'm thinking, come to London on a Sunday night and see the crowds you get at the professional professional nights, let alone the, the amateur or the semi-pro nights, mm. you know what I mean? So, you know, I was loving the crowd of 20, and it, was, it allowed me to go micless and go out into the room, as mm. I love to do, and interact with the crowd. But, yeah, they really wanted it as well. Again, it's, it's that kind of... I mean, Glasgow's not a small city, but still... Because it's not oversaturated like London, the people will come and they will want it. So mm. I wonder if that's where the future of comedy is uh, in the country out of London. But anyway, where can you see me? So yeah, I'm hopefully doing my show in Edinburgh this year. It's going to be, be a version of last year's show, possibly called Are You Really, Really Being Served? Because that won't cost me a lot of money to get changed on the flyer. Mm. <laughs> or Are You Sure You're Really Being Served? Or there'll be some formation of Are You Being Served? Mm. Because... You know, I like to trade on other people's legacies. Mm. Um, Everybody needs a hook. Everyone needs a hook. And then hopefully you're about to see my play as well, which is about the soul of Richard Nixon defending his actions to right. an afterlife jury. It sounds wanky and pretentious. Let's leave that hanging. <laughs> that's for me. That's for, that's really. I've been writing this, and I'm what you. I'm not. It's weird to call yourself a fan of a politician, mm. but I'm a Richard Nixon hobbyist. We right. shall say, and it's very much. I've written this for me. But what I'm trying to do is trying to offer a different side of the traditional story to, to Richard Nixon's downfall, mm. and actually, I'm trying to show that it was a, a, a line through the pattern of infinity that, that Nixon accepted he was doing bad things, mm. but the greater good was he was trying to present a moderate Republican president mm. to the right wing, the heavy right wing that was waiting at the gates of the Republican Party. And it's kind of true in that mm. you can kind of see it if you look in the 1964 election Barry Goldwater was essentially a very early Donald Trump. You know what I mean? And they do say that Ronald Reagan's 1980 election was Goldwater's victory. Mm. You know what I mean? It's kind of... And had Nixon been able to keep it at bay, mm. I don't think uh, Reagan would have been able to capitalise on, on the angry sentiment. And obviously Reagan's vice president was George Bush Sr., and without George Bush Sr., there would have no real launching pad for George Bush Jr. Mm. In between that, Bill Clinton was able to present himself as a Democrat. And it's like when Bill Clinton um, was governor of Arkansas. And, he, and other things, of course, as well. Well, yes. Yeah, I, was, uh, but, I mean, just yeah. this record alone, yeah. when, when Bill Clinton was the governor of Arkansas... He oversaw the execution of more than any other governor of Arkansas. He didn't, he barely pardoned anyone. When he was president, he wiped out, he said, we're going to end welfare, as you know it. He did, he just wiped out welfare and didn't replace it with anything. You know what I mean? The whole section of people lost their welfare. And, and this is Bill Clinton, was able to present himself as a liberal, thanks to Reagan presenting doing the hard line, you know, and then that led way to... So, obviously, George Bush Jr. looks like a, a good option to Clinton and Reaganites, you yeah, know? Yeah. And then, from Jr., of course, you've got the invasion of Iraq, the destabilisation of the whole area, which leads way to ISIS. It leads way to the current situation we've got, which gives way... I mean, Obama, for all his words, hasn't been able to do anything about it because he can't. 
You know what I mean? He's, he's there. And then on top of that, it leads to ISIS have let America have an enemy again. When America have an enemy, they feel like they're attacked, so they get cats at the corner. And that's one of the things that's led to Donald Trump. Mm. So we've got this whole kind of domino effect. Mm. And I am balancing that on had Watergate, had not had it not happened, had it not been found out, mm. Richard Nixon would have been able to present a moderate Republican party, a successful Republican party, to the swing vote. So, you know, it's kind of a, it's a, it's more of a plea mm. for my actions were wrong, but here's why, mm-hmm. you know, and I want people, to, give me an audience interactive vote at the end of whether or not you send Richard Nixon to heaven or hell or whatever the mm. afterlife is. And I want people to pardon him. And if people pardon him, mm. I'll know the play has worked. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so, you know, right. it's, uh, so hopefully if that gets allowed, mm. the submission process for the, PVH and all the free fringes all it all hangs in the balance till mm. at the end of January, doesn't it? You don't really know what you're doing. Mm. So, and if I don't get them, then I'll just be crying. We go up anyway. I'll go. Yeah, I'll go for the three weeks. It's it's one I don't understand, guys. That don't you just go up for the stage time? Mm. People will give you spots. Mm. You'll pick up a show when you're up there. The amount of people I know have got there with no show, mm. and someone drops out. So, oh, I can do a show there. And okay, it's hard to get an audience in. You're not the guy, but you hustle. Mm. You'll learn how to play crowds that aren't yours. And that's great. You learn so much up there. I don't know. These guys that don't do it, never understand it. Mm. It's just not worth... I don't know why you want to be an act if you don't want to go up there and do three weeks of hard slog. Mm. Because it proves to promoters as well, you can take the hard times. Mm-hmm. That's If you've got a fringe run on your, your... I mean, I've got three, but if you've got a fringe run on your comedy CV, a promoter looks at you and goes... You can deal with crap. Mm-hmm. You can deal with the hard times. You know how to work a crowd. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And that to me is val- in- in- invaluable, you know. Thank well, you very much. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you very much. McLean. McLean. <laughs> and that is episode 33.1 with Steve McLean. I enjoy talking to Steve very much. Some really wise words about comedy. He's taking a show up to the Edinburgh Fringe called... Are you really being served? Go check it out. He's a very funny guy. He's also in a sitcom with Sarah Mills, which is written by Miranda Kane, and they're releasing that on Amazon in the next couple of months. And that is called Slaving Away. It's on Amazon in the next couple of months. I'm sure it's very funny. They're all lovely people, and they're very funny. Go check it out. You can follow this podcast on Twitter. It's at The Comedy Defect. You can follow me at Winter Phonander. You can come see my live stand-up gig dates and they'll be on my website, which is winterphonander.com. So I've got some previews coming up. Um, some stuff is great. Some stuff needs working out. If I say that in a couple of months, I'll be worried. I will be worried, guys. I will. Come check that out. I'm also going to be reading 25 pages of the Guinness Encyclopedia and that'll be on Twitter under the title Encyclopedic Jokes. Handle for that is at Guinness Jokes. Come check that out, guys. Like it, share it, comment on it. Why not? If you like this podcast and you want to donate to us, we're on Patreon. Go to Patreon, type in The Comedy Defects Podcast and donate as much or as little as you want. But if you can't kick something back, leave us a nice, honest review on iTunes or Podbean because that really helps, guys. It tells everyone where we are and what we're doing. And that's it for now for this episode of The Comedy Defect Podcast. We'll see you next week for episode 34. Yes, correct. 34 with Sarah Isles. Episode 34. We'll see you next week, guys. Thank you.